Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. The 2018 season is a wrap for the Washington Nationals, Mass and All Access podcast here to give the breakdown of what went right and what went wrong this season. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano from our Mass and Web studio. Paul, how are you enjoying the first couple of days of the offseason? You know what I did on my first day of the offseason? What was that? I slept until noon. Oh, similarly, go on. Got up, flicked on ESPN, had a good old homemade omelet. With avocado and Ooh, prosciutto. Bougie. It was very bougie. Basic, I too. I don't think I ever left the house all day, and I just stayed home and watched some Monday Night Football. Was, That's great. Couldn't ask for anything more. You do, did you catch any of the game 163s? I did. I watched them both because I didn't move off my couch yep. that day. A lot of sports-filled day. That's actually kind of fun because the game, the Cubs-Brewers game yeah. was at 1 o'clock. Then you go to Dodgers Rockies at four, at four, right into Monday Night Football eight fifteen. Exactly. Great, what a day! There's no reason to leave the couch. No leave, and there's no reason to leave the couch if you're a baseball fan. The rest of the week, obviously, the two wild cards are done. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, right before the division series kickoff tonight at five. So that's football kickoff. But no, yep, the, no, well, pitch off, <laughs> pitch off, pitch off. It's a new term. We're having a pitch off. I to am determine who gets home copywriting pitch off to, as the my new term to start a baseball game. Well, it's incorrect. Um, so the yeah, well, okay, we can get into maybe some postseason predictions at the end of the podcast. But you know, we want to touch on some things. Paul's got some a piece ready for you guys about what went wrong for the Nationals this yeah. season. Um, kind of dissecting what happened to the team and why they failed to make the playoffs for the first time in three years. And then we're going to get into some deep discussion about Bryce Harper's pending free agency, what to look forward to this offseason um, in terms of him and possible landing spots or possibility of him coming back to D.C. And also we're going to review uh, Davey Martinez's uh, first year on the job as uh, Nats manager, what he did well, what he did well, what he did not so well, and what to look forward to in year two at the helm. But, d- Paul, first off, what went wrong? For the 2018 Nationals. Yeah, I was trying to look at it, and I, I looked at the Nationals' 2018 season as a dead body, uh, a, a body that has no life. Charming. Left, as we say, dead. Uh, and I thought, we need an autopsy. We need to figure out exactly what went wrong. So I'm going to do a CSI-style autopsy. Let's get the uh, doctor music playing, doctoral music. There we go. Good. Uh, Bobby, you asked for an autopsy on uh, this body came in here the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through it with my interns, and, and we established some <clears throat> causes of death. Not entirely all of them were fatal, but together they contributed to the death what of we the got, 2018 Doc? Nationals. Let me tell you, first and foremost, we just looked initially and we said, this guy's got some liver problems, all right? This guy has been drinking too much champagne after back-to-back NLDS appearances, making the postseason back-to-back years kind of gave him a feel-like, just a small sense of complacency as they headed into this season. They knew that they could do it. It was a matter of getting over the hump. It wasn't a matter of making the playoffs. It was a matter of getting to the World Series. Right. And that was something that might have hurt their mindset early on. Those liver problems, they definitely contributed. Let's mark that under a criticism of, well, it's kind of falls on the players too, but Davey Martinez too in terms of the – you know, because we were down at spring yeah. training, and it wasn't 
you know, all series all the time. It was a lot of fun in games, which is fun, spring yep. training. But, you know, could that have paid dividends down the stretch? And did that also attribute to their slow start? Exactly. Exactly. So that was uh, that was a major issue, uh, I thought, as well. Didn't, didn't totally kill the Nationals. But I opened up the thoracic cavity, uh, and I really looked inside. I found out the Nationals had a broken heart. I thought you were pre-law. Uh, I, uh, all of that. Pre, pre-med-law. Pre-med-law. <laughs> uh, I'm also getting my GED in, in MSD. So uh, found out that there was a broken heart. Oh. Jason Wirth, leaving this team, took out the heart of this team and broke it. Him not, the Nationals not re-signing him, and for obvious reasons because of his production, left a gaping hole in that thoracic cavity for the heart of this team, which I feel like he was for so many years. Yeah, he was the heart and soul. Um, Soul's not a scientific term, Bobby. It's not a doctor term. I'm not going to use that. You're the doctor. I'm no doctor. He was the heart of this team. God. Um, And I think players attributed or referenced it late in the season that we we saw, obviously, Dusty Baker go on record in that interview with the athletic yeah. midseason saying, you know, they need Jason Worth. He was, despite his poor production, he was the vocal leader in that clubhouse, and he was the guy that kept people pushing and trying and not, it didn't stand for complacency, even in the media. Like, yep. you know, we've heard stories from, you know, he expected a lot from the media, and Dan Coco specifically. That's why Dan <laughs> always gave his best around <laughs> Jason Worth. Um, so yeah, that's a fair that's a fair assumption. And that, that I don't think that's a fault of anybody. That's just that's kind of goes along with the business. Exactly. It was just what, but still hurtful nonetheless. So they, the Nationals, uh, go into the season. They're doing pretty well to start the year. They start with what four, three straight wins to start off the season in March and April. They look pretty good. Looks like a healthy body. Looks like it's on its way to the playoffs. And then they get hit with leprosy. All right, leprosy. They get into June. I don't know how often people suffer from leprosy anymore, but these 2018 you know it's did. not a disease anymore, right? Like is it's it not gone? Th- it's pretty much gone. Oh. What but, okay, so the Nationals have leprosy. <laughs> you know why, Bobby? Why is that? Because their arms were falling off left and right. Okay. Uh, just falling off. <laughs> uh, starting with Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark. Uh-huh. Really struggling. In the month of June, their ERAs, Roark had a 6.08 ERA. Ooh. Gio had an 8.44 ERA. Those are guys that you relied on to be your number three, number four starter starters, and they just weren't there for you. I think we kind of anticipated a regression in Gio Gonzalez's 2018 season after a career year in 2017, yeah. but maybe not to that extent. So yeah. that's, that's obviously very harmful to the club. And right, they started off well in late March, early April, but they finished April in the month of April 11 and 16. Despite a 20-7 and seven May, that's not going to be good enough. They only won nine games in June, so the first half of the season did not go well. June was by far, and you could say even the hitters lost their arms as well uh, because they struggled mightily offensively in the month of June. I think they hit just 238 in that month of June. Uh, lowest home run numbers uh, in that month of June. Nothing was going right. And you could say they had a case of vertigo. 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 You know why? Because when you have vertigo, Bobby, you lose your depth. Yeah. You lose your depth perspective. Right. And perspective, rather. And they Perception? lost their depth. 
Lost Howie Kendrick. That might have been in May, May, June. Yeah. Uh, he went down. That was a big piece that helped them get through the 2017 season. People forget that Howie Kendrick missed almost all of the season. Yeah. And that's a huge part, but go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, and Steven Strasburg would struggle with injuries as mm-hmm. the season would go along. Anthony Rendon missed time at third base for a while, and he turned out to have a terrific season. Ryan Zimmerman, to start the season, was not himself and then was injured. Please play in spring training games. Uh, exactly. So all of these guys, they lost considerable depth. Uh, and Sean Doolittle, of course, I'll get to. I'll get to him as well, Bobby. I see you looking up his stats. So vertigo. And that vertigo contributed to the fact that they stumbled and they fell right out of first place in the month of June and fell all the way to third. Yeah. In the National League East. <sighs> so already they've got liver problems. They've got a broken heart, leprosy, and vertigo. That'll do you in. It's a but tough there were go. more problems. There were more. There were more problems as My well. God. Sean Doolittle. Yes. Literally, they suffered from a strained left toe because <laughs> hard to walk that when you have damned a strained left toe. <laughs> Sean Doolittle, who had an ERA of 1.60, 25 saves this season, a career high for him. Career an all star. All star. One of three Nationals all stars missed two months of the season. Yeah. In a time when the bullpen was already hurting enough with Kelvin Herrera being down, with Ryan Madsen missing time. Kinsler gone. Kinsler struggling and Kelly then gone. gone. Sean Kelly gone. Sean Doolittle missing two months of action really could have been a fatal blow. Yeah. It will, and, I mean, I think we'll touch on, obviously, injuries play a part with every team, but I, I'm going to expand on those a little later. But Sean Doolittle, I think, was the biggest loss for the Nationals yeah. this season. The fact that you don't have your all-star closure when you needed him most, when you're trying to catch up, you know, and the Nationals were not very good in one-run games and in late-inning close games, and losing your closer for a major part of the season is a, a, a huge factor as to why. So that definitely hurt as well. And then what you could actually potentially call the fatal blow. The fatal blow. That would be a blunt force getting hit over the head by the Cubs and then the Cardinals in mid-August. They lost on a walk-off Grand Slam at Wrigley Field, and then they go to St. Louis, and that's when Paul DeYoung hits a walk-off against Coda Glover, and it just felt like they were done. Fatality. <laughs> Bobby, video game voice, fatality. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was kind of the turning point, I think. I mean, even maybe you can say that was it. You know, yeah. those, those, I remember us talking about going into that weekend slash week before they went on that road trip, they needed to come out on top, you know. They they couldn't even settle for a split. They needed yeah. to win those series, and they didn't. And in, and in bad fashion. It wasn't just that they lost; it was the way they lost, and which I think can provide that ultimate dagger to a team, even in August. And that's series. Those two series we can be reminded are mostly what tip the front office to say we're going to trade Daniel Murphy, yep. we're going to trade Ryan Madsen, yep. we're going to get rid of anybody who has value left. And, of course, the Gio Gonzalez trade happening two weeks later. So that was the fatal blow. But then even after that, a post-mortem injury that they suffered, the wishbone was removed. The Nats fans had a little bit of hope, some wishes that they might potentially make the playoffs with a nice September run, and that was removed when they were eventually eliminated on September 20th. And to go back to those Cubs and Cardinals series, they had cut it. In Chicago, to the the division lead to five and a half games, 
and after those two series out, that was as close as they ever got again. Uh, from then on, it was hovering between nine and seven games back, and they never got close again. So yeah. those were the definitely the, the the blunt force traumas, I think, as to what you referred to it. So agent They're definitely daggers to the season. Agent Blanco, as you look at the culprits for this season, that's my autopsy of how they did it. This 2018 Nationals had quite a number done to them. Yeah. Yep. And I think it was unexpected. Like you said, from the top, they came in with high expectations and you know thought highly of themselves, which they yeah. should. They're a good team when healthy and playing well. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think it would it's fair to say that they, oh, just kind of lallygag through the season. I think they went through some ups and downs and didn't recover through cover, recover from a lot of those downs yeah. in terms of obviously injuries, but then the stuff with Kelly and Kinsler and the clubhouse, um, some of the people struggling. You know, in past years we've seen people step up uh, in big spots, and it didn't happen this year. You know, and that was that was kind of the story. Yeah, let's talk about a couple guys. I think first and foremost, let's talk about Davey Martinez. Sorry, the manager. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about his, how much of a culprit you can consider him in this season and the lost season that was. They finished the season two games above 500. Davey, I think, got unfairly blamed in part because a lot of people were missing Dusty Baker. And no matter who is going to be hired, they're going to say, well, he's not Dusty Baker. That being said, 162 games down. Bobby, what's your opinion of. Davey Martinez's first season. Oh, this is going to be a good conversation. I like this topic. Um, where do I begin, honestly? Because it, it is tough. It's a tough discussion to have. I have friends and people who I've talked to who have flat out said, I don't like Davey Martinez. I don't think he's a good manager. I'm sure he's a great guy, which we know he is. You and I have worked with him um, extensively this season. Um, but people have said, I don't think he's a good manager. One... My first comment to that is, I think the first season actually managing at any level, you can't judge on how good of a manager. Like, yeah, it's just literally his first season ever doing it. How yeah. can you judge whether he's a good manager or not on based on one season? The problem is you have to because of why. I, I think at, at this point, if I, to play devil's advocate, it's partly the situation he was thrust in, so it's not entirely his fault, but. When you have a team with that high expectations and they don't perform, it, blame automatically has to be thrown at the manager in some respects. I get that he's the head man, he's the face. You know, he's, I wish it weren't. He's that the man way. in charge. So yeah, so yes, he does deserve some of the blame. 32, 30, 30 managers have to deal with that. Yeah, that comes with the job. I get that. But is it Davey Martinez's fault that Bryce Harper hit 213 for the first half of the season? Right. Is it Davey Martinez's fault that Daniel Murphy didn't play for the first half of the season when healthy, arguably the best hitter in all of baseball? Is it Davey Martinez's fault that both Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Rourke regressed hugely from their means? Um, is it Davey Martinez's fault that Ryan Zimmerman got off to a slow start? Maybe there you could say that, you know, yes, Davey should have made him play in the spring training. But as a new manager, you're going to go in there and tell the face of the franchise, the guy, their first draft pick, right. the guy who's beloved across the whole city, the hometown kid, that you have to do this. That's not a way to win over a clubhouse. So yeah. I don't blame Davey for that. Davey's already told Ryan, after this season's over, I want you to play more season, more preseason games next year, which is totally fair. Um, is it Davey Martinez's fault that Sean Doolittle got hurt and missed a month or two of the season? So, you know, I think, yes— he deserves some of the blame, 
like any manager would, but a lot of stuff that happened weren't were out of his control. You know, could you blame the poor base running and the lack of fundamentals on him? I think so. Yes, you know, you, you might, pro- you probably will see a stronger focus on that come spring training in 2019. But there's a lot of things that went wrong with this team that I don't even think Dusty Baker could have fixed. I think Dusty Baker maybe saves them three or four more wins, and even then they finished eight games back. That's not enough to get a playoff spot. I think if you look at what day, what Dusty Baker would have done differently, I think the only way to kind of tell is, you know, the question is how good would this team be have been under Dusty Baker? You look at the changes that Davey made from last year to this year, and I think the biggest one is switching around the lineup as much as he did. Mm-hmm. So he, Dusty was loyal to the same lineup some would say to a fault. The way that he stuck to his lineup in one through nine, even through the playoffs as this team was struggling, and Davey was the exact opposite. Tinkered, messed with the lineup as much as possible, especially those injuries gave him reason to put Bryce Harper in the leadoff spot for a little bit, move Trey Turner down before moving him back up. All of these guys spent time really at anywhere, and obviously having the pitcher bat eighth I think is one of the bigger things and putting a guy like Wilmer Defoe in the nine hole, all of these tinkerings, I think people saw that and said, he's tinkering with the lineup. The offense is struggling. I'm going to put two and two together. That's why. Yeah. Uh, my counterpoint to that, I'm not disagreeing with you entirely, but my counterpoint to that is that's who we know we were getting. Right. You know, we knew that's the kind of manager because he is a Joe Madden guy through and through. Joe Madden won a World Series doing that. Yeah. So, you know, we knew what we were getting into, so to speak, in terms of David Martinez, that's what he wanted to do. That's how he's going to manage his club. That's the only way he knows how to, how to manage a club from being under Joe Madden for so many years. So to me, it's like, okay, yes, it didn't work. Now maybe you could say, and I think I will say, this club, having been under Dusty for the past two years, these players are used to being in the same spot every night. And them moving around kind of throws them off. Every ball player ever is going to say, it doesn't matter where I hit in the lineup, I'm good wherever. Right. That's just not true. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously they're obviously they're going to say that, but – Guys like hitting in certain spots. Bryce Harper, sure, he did well his first two or three games hitting the lineup. I mean, hitting the top of the lineup, but he's not a leadoff hitter. He yeah. doesn't want to hit there. He's going to hit three or four. So, um, yes, we knew what we were getting into, um, but maybe these players just didn't respond to that, and that's something that Davey is going to have to adjust as well. Another thing I think you look at when you talk about one-run games, I think is a great example of and a great – indicator of how a manager is doing with his team whether he's able to rally them and that's you know per- perhaps a little bit overblown but I think it's just an indicator nonetheless his team is 18 and 24 in one run games they could not close out the important games and they go out some games and blow out another team games decided by five plus runs they were 26 and 17 they had the offensive firepower the whole season the run differential was always much higher than the Braves it was always much higher than the Phillies he couldn't get them to score in the important games. Does that fall on his shoulders, or is that just unluckiness? No, I think it does. I think it does because I, th- I think that that comes down to fundamentals, and you know, you look at the base running blunders. I think it's fair situational to crit- baseball, right? So, yeah. I think it's fair to criticize Davies bullpen management, um, but again, that's something he's never had to do. He's never yeah. been a bullpen coach. He's never been a manager, so. Learning on the fly there, yeah. maybe get a pass, but I agree. Also, let's take Sean Doolittle out of this equation because 
I'm not saying that he solves everything, but it's a lot easier when you know you have your all-star closer yeah. available yeah. two out of three nights. So let's take that out of the equation in terms. Yes, I, I think it's fair to criticize Davies' bullpen management, but you know that comes with a job too, and you can criticize any manager's bullpen management. I mean, they're not perfect. They make yeah. mistakes. It's just it happened a lot this season. I think that's why it gets kind of blown up. And in terms of the one-run games, you know, those games are won by managing a good bullpen, making the right matchup moves, and but also making defensive plays, running the bases well. And we saw a lot of blunders, especially late and maybe actually all season, that cost the Nationals some games. You know, you, you, you don't want to run into an out when you've got Daniel Murphy coming up, for instance, or a hot Ryan Zimmerman, or even a hot Bryce Harper, or Anthony Rendon, who drove in over 100 runs last season. So, you know, I think the fundamental aspect of the game does fall on the manager and the coaching staff. The other thing you look at, the bullpen management, you touched on it briefly there. This is one area that he certainly got a lot of criticism for, Davey Martinez, in terms of the periods that the bullpen went through over the season where they were disastrous. Sammy Solis had some disastrous stretches. Uh, obviously, Doolittle was out of it, and Herrera missed time. Madsen really struggled before he ended up getting traded. Kinsler struggled before he ended up getting traded. And it was something that players, even within the organization, were not on the record, but were kind of criti- critical of the way that he was managing the bullpen. The second half of the season, we didn't, he, he didn't even have the talent there, and right. the bullpen was struggling even more. So I think it's tough to judge that second half. But the first half of the season, I think you could criticize him for his bullpen management. Yeah, definitely. And I, um, I definitely think that, and I said that earlier. But I, I, in terms of Sean Kelly and um, um, Brandon Kinsler, you know, I think that kind of falls down on – I think what David did well this season – add this under the positive column is the communication aspect. He's a player's manager. He can relate to these guys. He talks to these guys. He has that open door policy. Yeah. Every ask any beat writer. They say you walk in the Nats clubhouse during media time and David Martinez door is still open. He's yeah. still open. His doors open after games too. He's welcoming that conversation, that two way conversation. Um, and so you wonder if, and I don't know if we'll ever know for sure, but like had maybe either, those players didn't take the opportunity to go talk to Davey about it, or maybe they did and Davey didn't listen. That's kind of that's the question right there. So that's what I want to know when it comes down to this. And in terms of those two players specifically, we obviously saw what happened. You know, there were reports that the clubhouse has kind of getting split apart, and we saw those two players getting shipped off, which didn't help. Yeah. So I wonder if Davey actually ever did I, I don't think me personally I don't think he the players all said they loved him Bryce Harper has adamantly said he's loved him so I don't think he ever lost the clubhouse but in term and there were some times where it got a little rocky in there and maybe he wasn't fully equipped to handle that right and I think even Mike Rizzo having to come out and defend him also proves that I'm glad you mentioned Bryce Harper yeah do you want to transition to Bryce Harper sure let's talk about him wait What's Bryce Harper doing this offseason? Is there something big coming up? Uh, he's going to Vegas. Uh-huh. Uh, should, and should we be keeping tabs on him? Signing with the team. Oh, free agency. Yeah. That's interesting. Bryce Harper entering his much-anticipated free agency year at the conclusion of this year's World Series. 
Um, if you haven't already, check out Mark Zuckerman's complete breakdown of his, the pending free agency. A primer <laughs> on Bryce Harper's pending free agency. On MassInSports.com. Paul, let's first start with Bryce Harper's legacy at, at Nationals in a Nationals uniform, and even that post-game interview he gave with Dan Colco after Sunday's game, the emotion he showed, you know, I think, to me, that emotion was raw, and I don't think anyone should take too much stock into what it meant. I saw people saying that, oh, he's definitely gone. He knows he's gone, blah, blah, blah. I think that is just an emotional player. We know he's an emotional player, an emotional guy, kind of soaking it all in just in case. Because if this is my last time in a Nationals uniform, I don't want to regret not taking it all in. I think it's pretty clear no one knows where he's going right now. I don't think he knows. I don't think the Nationals know. I don't think Scott Boris knows. I don't think any other team knows where he's going right now. I don't think he's made up his mind yet. He doesn't know. I mean, no, obviously not. Yeah. He can't even feel it. The Nationals are the only team that can... Uh, yeah, make an offer. Make an offer to him right now, or 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 converse with him right now. Which is what Mark Zuckerman mentioned in his piece as well. That the there are some reports that the Nationals are meeting with Bryce Harper in Vegas to get an idea of where they stand before he hits the open market. We know he's going to test the waters. That much is clear. To say that that interview was a goodbye, I think it was. I agree with you, Bobby. I think it was a just in case. I think it was. If this is my final run here at Nationals Park, and he was the nice right. home... Oh, yeah, that. The the goodbye that he had um, at yeah. Nationals Park yeah. for the final home series, and then with Dan Colco as well. Uh, I think he was just... It, it was a just-in-case. That being said, there are going to be teams that are going to be interested, and... Oh, there are going to be teams. There, to, if we said we knew had any idea as to where he was going to sign, we would be lying... But there are teams that have been reported multiple times to be interested. I can narrow the list down. Please do. So there's 30 major league teams. Okay. I'm going to go Nationals, Yankees, Cubs, Dodgers. Phillies? No, not yet. Hold on. Those are the first four. (laughs) Those are the four front runners for me. I think also, Mark, I kind of agree with Mark. Phillies... And the not and the Niners. I'm sure the San Francisco 49ers are looking at Bryce Harper. You know the what he's Giant, got an arm. And the Giants. They could uh, they have need a quarterback too. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, the Phillies and the Giants are the next two kind of wild cards, but they're on the outside looking in. And I'll get okay. to explain why. Yeah. Then it's everybody else. Yeah. To me, because as I've said all along, it's going to be Bryce Harper's pick. It's not going to be about the money. He's going to get his money. Yep. But if like the Cincinnati Reds offer him ten years for $500 million, he's not going to take that. He doesn't want to play in Cincinnati. Right. He wants to play in a big market for an iconic franchise, or he wants to play for the only franchise he's ever known yeah. and be the guy right. and set a new trend for in baseball in terms of sticking with one team for your entire career and hopefully winning. The rarest of rare feats yeah. for a professional athlete. You know, think about Bryce Harper as a person and as a kid growing up. He wants to be that guy, and he would love to be the guy that brought – a baseball championship to Washington, D.C. He would love a statue built outside Nats Park of him and play 15 years here and then, you know, maybe finish his career somewhere else, but yeah. leave a lasting legacy at one team or go play for another one of those iconic franchises yeah. and do it there. Yeah, exactly. And I think all of those teams make sense for different reasons. I think the Cubs, partly because of the Chris Bryant connection, makes sense uh, and their hole in the outfield. You look at the Dodgers – 
willingness to spend money in all areas, having the highest payroll in all of baseball. And also being – also, all those teams are close to com- – are competing. Yeah. They're already contenders. Exactly. Yankees and Dodgers, both longtime iconic franchises in great cities. Yep. So they all make sense for different reasons. Um, for the Nats, I think when you talk about his legacy – and if this is, in fact, the end for him, I think all of this, like with anything, a championship would have simplified all of this. Oh, everything. And, you know, it is a huge disappointment. Well, I don't know, there's two ways to think about it. Because I said, I believe, in our first podcast this season that if the Nats don't at least make it out of the first round this season, there's no chance he's coming back. Right. There's truth to that, but I also think that the way Bryce Harper's season went— Yeah kind of counter-tues that, kind of counterpoints that, because, okay. you know, I don't think, I'm not saying, I don't know, I don't know if this is actually the case, but I don't think he's going to want to, his last season in D.C. where he batted 213 for the first half of the season. You know, I just, did he lose some money? Maybe, but not that much because of how bad his, and it wasn't even yeah. that bad of a season. He yeah. had 34 yeah. home runs and he went over 100 RBIs for the first time yep. and obviously drew a bunch of walks. So, but the average wasn't there, and I think that's what people are going to point to when in terms of negotiating. So, the the not making the playoffs coupled with the poor start of the season, I think, kind of um, makes those arguments kind of mute. Fair, fair, I agree, and I think, cancel each other out. And I think if he had won a championship here in DC, yeah, it would be an instance of if he had left. I think people would be so much more okay with it. That, and I think there's even a better chance that he stays. Yeah. You know, because, all right, we won with this, with this group, and now look at all this young talent coming up. You know, we can, we can build a dynasty. We can win for years to come. I think if it was a situation where he won the MVP this year and they didn't make the playoffs like in 2015, it's almost a lock he's gone because he's like, all right, and that's two MVPs, no playoff wins. Yeah. I'm doing my part. What else? I mean, what else can I do? So let's go try somewhere else. Exactly. So I think, you know, if I'm looking at it, I think as an individual team, the Nationals have the best chance to sign him. Mm-hmm. But there's a greater chance he goes elsewhere. Right. I think, think of it as a pie chart. You know, the, maybe I give the Nationals 40% chance to sign him again, but there's a 60% chance he goes elsewhere. Right. So, you know, it's. Odds are he's not going to sign with the Nationals, but if of all the teams, it's going to be them. right. Yeah, they have <laughs> so their best. They have the best sense. individual chance, but yeah. obviously with more teams competing, there's a greater chance he goes to the pool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be the very first of this discussion, which is going to drag out. I have a feeling for quite a while. Oh it yeah. Could, uh, I think it goes past winter meetings in his home city of Las Vegas. I think it goes potentially into 2019. This could go on for a while. Does, it, does this go into spring training? I think he's smarter than to let it go into there. Uh, yeah. Although you never know with a Boris client, he's going to try to get as much money as possible. But I think uh, he, he, I think this past offseason might be a cautionary tale of guys who waited too long. And although not entirely their fault, they weren't getting great offers. Right. But I think there were uh, some bad instances of players who were not able to come up quickly players who had to make a a start in the minor leagues because they weren't there with the team in spring training because they waited too long to sign and the team waited too long to sign them so i think bryce harper i think he's gonna want to get everything settled move into his new city wherever it is or his old city 
and get everything ready for the next season because I think I think ultimately still baseball is first and foremost for him. Yeah, definitely. He's, he wants to win. He wants to leave a legacy, um, and it's going to be the hot topic. I mean, there's also there's a big free agency class, so – you know, oh, there's, yeah. there's other guys to look, keep an eye out for too. Clayton Kershaw, Manny you know, Machado. You know, where does where do they where do they land, and does that affect Bryce yeah. if he hasn't signed yet, uh, or how does his signing affect those guys? Yeah, vice versa. So you know, Mass and Alexis podcast will be continuing through the off season, and we'll be uh, touching on course on Bryce Harper's free agency. We'll be touching on should the Nationals even resign him? What happens if he leaves? Yep. Um, Outside the Nationals, what are the best landing spots for Bryce? Stuff yeah. like that. So we'll touch on all topics surrounding this uh, big, big, the, the most historic free agency class in all of baseball history, and we'll be there covering it all the time. Quick predictions for the postseason, Paul. There's Ooh. eight teams left. Yeah. Thank God we didn't do this pre-wild card because I might have picked the, the I Cubs. did pick the Cubs, and I'm, I'm out of my other pool. <laughs> oh, hate to see it there. You Bible. hate to see it. Uh, so, yep, not going to pick the Cubs and get this um, – not going to pick the A's either. Okay. Smart. Uh, yep. I'm smart thinking. Um, Bold strategy. At this point, the Yankees do look darn hot. I think the Brewers are the hottest team in baseball. I think the Brewers come from the National League, and I think that they end up trouncing whoever comes out of the Dodgers uh, series with the Braves, Braves, which will be a good series as well. Uh, How so forgettable think, the, the Braves are. I think the yeah. Dodgers are going to crush the Braves. Um, yeah, so I think, I think Milwaukee has it right now. Uh, in the American League – I hate to say it. I really do. I think the Yankees come out of the American League. Damn. They look darn good. That yeah. wild card game against the A's, they, that game was over in the first inning. Yep. So and I judge, bye-bye, game over. Can yeah. we go home? So I think it's going to be a Milwaukee-New York World Series, and I think the Yankees win the World Series. How many games? Five or six. Five or six, six games, Yankees, and six. five or six over the Brewers. I'm also going to take the Yankees. I think Ooh, the Yankees are going to upset the Red Sox. Um, but out of the NL, just for the sake of argument, I'm yeah. going to take the Rockies. <laughs> I, I think they're long ball. I mean, obviously, they had a tough go against uh, John Lester the other night mm-hmm. in Chicago, but I think they're long ball capability. And that bullpen looks stronger than people think yeah. in that wild card game. So, you know, with a day off of rest – these are also the postseason is a new thing for both the Rockies and the Brewers, so that's yeah. an interesting, interesting thing to keep an eye on. I think the Dodgers take care of the Braves easily, but I think whoever comes out of this Brewers Rockies series take care of the Dodgers. And I'm going to say it's the Rockies, so I'm going to say Rockies Yankees World Series, Yankees win in six. Okay, who are you rooting for? That's the other question. I'm rooting for anyone not named the Dodgers and Braves, really, and Red Sox. I don't want the Red Sox to win. What about the Yankees? You're not rooting against the Yankees. So. I have a weird connection to the Yankees. I don't okay. actively root against them. Actually, when the Orioles slash Nationals are not in the postseason, I do yeah. root for the Yankees. Oh, My grandfather is a big Yankees fan. He grew up in Guatemala. It's a whole story. Ugh. He brought, he brought me up to be not, not the, a Yankees uh, fan. Guatemala, but just a Yankee. Yeah, fan. <laughs> <laughs> Guatemala, <laughs> third world country. Come on. <laughs> um, no, okay, um, you know I'm not an active Yankees fan, but I don't actively root against them gotcha. for my grandfather. All right. Well, I'm rooting for an Indians Rockies World Series. I'm rooting for the little guys. And yeah, we completely Indians even game. touched on the Indians and Astros series. Yeah, those uh, that, that could be actually. Well, yeah, no, I think it's hard to beat Yankees Red Sox, but let's just eliminate the National League teams and let's just do cut it down to four. I don't American want the Dodgers. Teams. I don't want the Braves. I don't want the Red Sox. Anyone else? I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. winning. That's that's fine. It's gonna by be me. fun. Gonna be fun to watch. Yeah. It's post postseason baseball is 
fun when you don't have to stress about it. Yeah. I mean, I prefer the Nationals to be in it, but, you know, watching postseason baseball, not pulling out my hair, biting my teeth, biting my lip is fun. Uh, for Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, Mass and All Access Podcast, at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Paul Mancano is my Twitter handle. A Mass and All Access Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Rate, review, subscribe, spread the word. That's what you think. Stick with us all uh, off-season long, and we will keep with you.